The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Nina Willen. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Mary Mahoney. Mary is a wound ostomy continence nurse at Unity Point at Home where she and her WOC nurse team use their expertise to consult and collaborate with field clinicians, providing care to patients in their home via telehealth. She is also adjunct faculty with the WebWalk Nursing Education Program. Mary is the past president and a board member of the Wound Ostomy Continence Nursing Certification Board. She has presented at national conferences and has authored several articles for the Journal of Wound Ostomy Continence Nursing. Today's topic for our podcast is the importance of supporting and mentoring our fellow nurses. Mary, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this, what I think is a very important topic. Thank you, Nina. I I agree. It's it's very near and dear to my heart. So we notice, we can see that the nursing field has a wide breadth of generations, experience and education levels, and also knowledge. So how does this impact the healthcare setting? You know, Nina, the generational differences will always be there. We're going to have brand new nurses with very little experience, all the way up to nurses who have a lot of experience and are ready to retire. And these generations in and of themselves think differently and act differently and are different. And that's good. It's really good. We need to honor that in each of the generations of nurses Healthcare really needs some innovation to be sustainable, but the bottom line is that we all need to respect each other. If it's not dealt with, it can really bring about some negative culture on the, either it's the nursing unit or in the nursing agency. Uh, It's very important that we promote a culture of respect among the nurses. Can you describe some of the negative, non-supportive behaviors that uh, may occur or maybe you've even seen or experienced? Yes, we usually refer to this as horizontal violence. Um, It's behaviors that might be characterized as bullying, actually, Um, and it can be nonverbal as well as verbal. So things like talking behind each other's back. Uh, making belittling comments, or even criticizing colleagues in front of others, even patients, uh, can be a bullying type of behavior. I've also seen nurses not share important information with a colleague just to make it harder for them to practice. Making snide or abrupt remarks, maybe being refused to be available when a colleague needs assistance. Maybe someone needs help moving a patient and the the colleague will suddenly disappear and not be available to help. Sometimes they'll even sabotage to deliberately set up for a negative situation. So sadly, sadly, that happens in nursing. Um, Maybe a colleague has confided in uh, one of their co-workers and a broken confidence can also be a form of bullying. The nonverbal 
maybe a nurse is talking and the other nurses are raising their eyebrows or making faces in response to comments that a nurse is making. So it's, it's being aware of what the actions are, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, that is a, a sort of violence or bullying that can happen in nursing. And also gossip. Gossip spreads like a virus. Um, and, you know, the, the sad thing is younger nurses or newer nurses to the organization might feel like they need to join in just to feel like they're accepted as part of the team. So being aware of those types of emotions that go on. I think it's so important to draw attention to these things and call them out right. when they're happening. Right. Um, what about in regards to technology? Is there anything that you see in well, that regard? <laughs> or, well, yeah, actually, technology in in the form of email, I've seen some bullying go on there. And that's an area where we definitely could use some more assessment and guidance in how to deliberately write an email so that it doesn't sound harsh. But quite honestly, in the heat of the day, when you're just trying to answer someone, your response in email might look to be abrupt or too short. And, and you just don't know how to take the email because you don't have that emotion tied to it. So when you're, when you're receiving an email, I always try to assume the best out of the, pay, or out of the nurse who's sending it, uh, knowing that they're busy in the field. Uh, but there are times where sometimes if you're in the heat of the moment, that's not the best time to send the email. Sometimes it's best to maybe type it up to vent to yourself, but then don't send it uh, and read it later and just see how it sounds. Um, so in, in, in technology, I guess it would be primarily email communication where we could also um, be more aware of our words that we choose. Uh, another thing I try to do with each of my emails is to be concise in respect for their time. They don't want to read a page of notes. Um, so I usually start off with their name, hello, like you would do if you were in person. You look at the person, right? You look them in the eye. So at least put their name and then what this message is regarding. Why am I contacting you? And then get into the meat of it. Um, maybe a little bit, hey, how are your kids? I saw this, uh, you know, saw this was happening or something. Uh, but not too much of that. But um being respectful of their time and addressing them by name, I think, is an important part of communication um, by email. Absolutely. So you mentioned a lot of different um, types of uh, negative behaviors. How can those behaviors potentially affect the person on the receiving end? You know, it does affect that one individual, but it is like a bad virus that affects the whole culture of the unit or the agency where you're at. Uh, a culture of bullying is negative and it affects everyone. And even then you get the trickle down to the actual patient care, which is a huge problem. If communication is part of that bullying culture, then patient safety is a huge issue. Exposure to bullying often results in nursing turnover. You get low morale. 
uh, in anyone, especially nurses as a victim, will start to develop low self-esteem, maybe have poor sleeping habits, develop into um, you know, high stress, illness, then they'll be calling into work sick. There's a whole trickle-down effect, a ripple effect of one person being a bully and having negative behavior. So how would you recommend handling these non-supportive behaviors, maybe both from the, the person experiencing them, but then also the people around them that are seeing this happen? Right. When we see that happen, it, I hate to you know blame it all on the leader or, or to, to um, put the burden on the leader, but truly you need a good leader to have a solid self-awareness of what's going on. Uh, it, but but also the the victim and the person who is bullying, you know, they need to um, step up to the plate also. But it really helps to have a good leader who has solid self-awareness, someone who will promote that culture of respect. Um, and ways to do that are to, you know, yes, you want to address the bullying directly, but why are they being a bully? Are they bored? You know, are they like not challenged at work? Is there a way we could promote professional development in a different way? Um, maybe send them to a class that they enjoy, not necessarily send them to a class that will help their bullying because they're going to feel like they're being told what to do and they, they usually don't like that. Uh, but to send them to something that they're passionate about and support them and what their goals are. And if they don't have goals that match yours, be ready to to ask them to leave. It, it's just that simple because I know, you know, nurses are scared to or the leaders are scared to let nurses go. Uh, but it's if it's not dealt with, and even if it's one of your best staff, uh, if it's not dealt with, the whole culture is negative and, and you might as well just uh, forget it because uh, they it, it won't change unless that person is gone. So um, just having a good heart-to-heart -heart, uh, with, with that uh, particular individual um, maybe suggests they become more involved in their professional organization, promote a higher education or certification, try to encourage them to uh, find an outlet other than the bullying. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just important to edify each other as individuals, uh, as our profession helps to build a stronger team. Another aspect of this uh, that it, it's called emotional intelligence. You, so you have intellectual inte intelligence, the IQ of your knowledge, but there's also EQ, which is em emotional intelligence. Um, and that's that ability to understand and control what we feel and the way we act. And it's important to have self-awareness and discipline, uh, social awareness, and be able to have that relationship management. I think one of the tools that has um, come up lately in a lot of books and podcasts and apps that you can get is meditation. Uh, meditation is a great tool to sort of center yourself and help uh, help you understand yourself and discipline and control your self or you know self manage mm -hmm. when you're in a situation where you might otherwise uh, lose your temper. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and it, it feels like in nursing, there's, you know, it is, it tends to be high stress, high emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the concept of compassion fatigue could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, but I think a lot of that, to, to your point, to have an outlet is so important. Mm-hmm. Whether that's meditation or whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Because yeah. otherwise it manifests in these negative bullying behaviors potentially. Yeah, not only an outlet, but an inlet. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I kind of look at meditation as a way to just ground yourself and, and be ready then for the situation. Uh, and, and then outlet I would see as being exercise or going for a walk or mm-hmm. dancing or, you know, doing something to kind of get rid of those pent-up feelings. Yeah. So it's yeah. yeah, great. So you've talked uh, about some of the ways that we can uh, handle these uh, behaviors. But how can we advocate for each other as a whole? Wouldn't that be beautiful if we all just (laughs) got along, right? (laughs) But there are times where we need to just be really Um, self-aware. I think self-awareness is a huge part of this. And understanding that once we graduate from nursing school, we're not done learning. Mm -hmm. And that learning is lifelong. It continues Yes, we need the nursing knowledge. We also need the knowledge to um, learn relationships. We don't come with that um, guide of, of how to react in every situation. So that also takes lifelong learning. So attending classes, and um, I know one in particular that I've had enjoyed is called Crucial Conversations. It helps Uh, the self-awareness and how to react and understand that emotional intelligence of uh, how we react in a certain situation and becoming more disciplined in how we react. So how can we advocate for each other? Self-awareness. And if there's a situation where you see someone committing a bullying act, don't just stand there and let it happen. Uh, Be Find some way to interact with the situation, whether it's stopping it while it's happening or confronting the bully afterwards and saying, you know, that that really didn't feel good that you, you know, said this to this nurse. And and here's here's maybe what you could have done in this situation. How about if we flip this to a more positive culture and positive attitude versus Um, picking on this particular nurse. I mean, I just think there's ways that we can stand up to the bullies or stand up to a situation that we know is wrong. Uh, And you can learn that in these types of classes and uh, if you don't know how to do it. And, And a lot of us do get a little frustrated, like, gosh, I don't know if I should say something. I don't know not. I, I don't really feel comfortable going to my boss because I feel like I'm tattling. It's that whole internal talk that you have with yourself, but don't let it go. And if it's, if it's hurtful to someone else, it's hurtful to the whole culture of your agency or your unit. So you need to speak up. Absolutely. Talk about the concept of mentorship and mentoring. Yeah. Mentoring is is an interesting concept in that it can be formal mentoring program or informal. 
I would say I've had numerous informal mentoring relationships with my WOC colleagues. It isn't anything that I've set up. It's just that I have picked out people that are good role models, people who are positive and exhibit wonderful behaviors and are supportive of other WOC nurses. And I pick those behaviors and things that they say and do as mentoring me informally. But many nursing organizations also have the formal buddy programs or mentoring relationships. A good mentor listens, number one. They're, they're a good role model. They uh, exhibit honesty and integrity at work, and they're willing to share the knowledge and skills and have a positive attitude. All of us know we're not 100% perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So um, just being a good role model in, yeah, I, I might make a mistake, but when I make a mistake, I own up to it. And it's, it's I know I'm not perfect. And to exhibit that um, behavior that perfection isn't, it's something to strive for, but we aren't perfect. We want the mentor to exhibit enthusiasm or passion for their work. That enthusiasm and passion just spreads like a virus uh, if, uh, when uh, the mentor has that type of behavior. In a good way. In a yes. good way. That's <laughs> right. Um, so a good mentor empowers others. I love that word empower because that means that they don't have power over anyone else. They give that power and share the power to other people to perform at their highest level. I love that. Mm -hmm. So who can, um, and this is our last question, um, who can be a mentor and how, <laughs> how does that happen? You talked about that a little bit, but maybe expound on that. Yeah, I think, interestingly enough, we started off with the different generations that we have in nursing. We have different knowledge levels. We have LPNs. We have RNs uh, that are two-year prepared. We have RNs that are three-year prepared. We have bachelor prepared RNs. We have advanced practice. We have master prepared RNs. So we have such a wide range of knowledge levels. We have a wide range of generational levels that we need to mentor each other, uh, whether you're young or old. The um, more elderly or the people who hold more experience and wisdom in their uh, area can mentor the younger nurses by sharing stories and helping them learn how to organize their day and things like that. But the younger nurses can mentor the older generation in the use of computers or apps or uh, you know, their type of um, experience may not match what the older nurses do, but they can mentor in a different mm -hmm. way. So I think we all can be a mentor based on our skills and abilities and our strengths. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for this, what I would say, an empowering um, podcast today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Nina. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. 
For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us/professional.